going on, Jordan? Good morning, Michael. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Oh, uh, I'm doing, you know, fantastic here. Haven't uh, really ventured outside the house in quite some time and just uh, enjoying the walks around the block, you know? I may sense some sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm doing all right. All things considered, doing all right. How are you doing? Uh, it's been a test, a trial, but I, sh- you know, I don't want to say that in a way where I'm being self-indulgent because I do feel like there are definitely people um, that really got put into situations that they probably never considered themselves ever being in. So me saying, oh, it's hard. Um, I both feel like, yeah, I want to bitch about this situation, but then also feel like I really have no room to bitch about this situation. <clears throat> yeah. And I guess to be clear, just to frame this up, like a lot of the episodes that we're releasing have been pre-recorded, so they're not necessarily going to sync up with current events. Uh, we're going to release this one pretty quickly. And right now it's what? It's early April. We're in what? Week three, at least in California, of the shelter in place. So basically I haven't left the house other than to go around the block or to go to the grocery store in the better part of a month. Uh, Michigan's been what, like two weeks? I think we're a few days behind you, to my recollection. But okay. yeah, it's it, fe- it feels longer than that. Um, but yeah, it's maybe close to three weeks, two and a half weeks. Yeah, and this episode's probably going to fuck with our format because what, what we normally talk about in the beginning is what's new, and I think this is all that's new, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This will be different. What's new is what the topic is, right? So um, I do have some some what's news, though, even even in, in the tiny excitement that is our life right now. Give it to me. <laughs> well, I, t- I told you about the dead rat, right? Oh, that was interesting. Yeah, yeah that was gross. So the car well the garage started stinking to high heaven and we kept like cycling cars in and out to try to figure it out found out it was kim's car and yeah couldn't couldn't track it down wash the car finally broke down took it to the dealer big ass dead rat just nested in the bumper so that was cool this is the kind of shit that i like dealing with and this is after i broke a toilet seal trying to do it myself and had to pay for that and then also the garage spring snapped when i was taking out the trash uh (laughs) So that added to my insane expense list because uh, the bumper of the car had to come off and all that shit. So that's been fun. And uh, yeah, I had near similar catastrophe to you in its own way. So dead rat. Well, okay. So uh, where I live, there's a creek that runs through our property. It's very close to the back of my house. Where I'm living, it's it's considered. Um, so there's flood zones and then there's flood ways, right? So the flood zone is the general area that can flood. And the floodway is the specific area <laughs> that the flood is supposed to cross. The creek is known as a floodway, right? So the floodway is near my house and I live in a flood zone. Um, that's part of, I guess, living with a creek in your house. Um, so Sunday, last time after we recorded, there was maybe a Sunday or Monday night, pretty severe weather. Uh, it was raining and then it was storming at nighttime. So we have our houses quarantined, pretty hard quarantine. Um, so we don't want to violate that, right? We just feel like we got asthmatic kids. Let's just keep, aside from all the other reasons why you should do it, but the most selfish reasons are let's keep ourselves as safe as possible. Um, so huge downpour, 
uh, floodway starts flooding. I think I sent you a, a picture of it. It's, it's mm. <laughs> it starts flooding up all the way into the back of the house. We start moving everything upper floor and like loading cars just in case the house floods during a quarantine. Okay. <laughs> this would have been interesting. And then we start getting uh, like severe storm warnings, like tornado warnings. So it was a good time for a little while, a little bit stressful. It can't go anywhere because <sighs> it's quarantine, the fucking coronavirus. My house is going to wash away. Um, you know, all your supplies that you have, it's like, you can't just go to the store and replenish them at this time. So it was good. It was good. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm waiting for. worked out. I'm waiting for here just like a massive earthquake just to make things that much worse. And it's like, you can't go out, you can't stay in, your house collapses, there's no food. All right. Yeah. The the whole the whole experience of the last month has been somewhat like that for us. So it's, it's been a weird time, man. Yeah. It's been like some sort of weird, like realization of a fantasy that like, then you finally have it in you hate it. Like I've always been like, I want, it's like, like every been, fantasy, huh? Right. Like I want to work from home. I don't want, you know, to have a social obligation. I just want to like stay mm. home and like play video games and like eat DoorDash and fucking, then I have that. And I'm, I'm even me being pretty antisocial and hating everybody on the planet earth, except for like 20 people. Uh, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I need to get out. Like yesterday we drove, probably I think it was 150, 160 miles just to go find a random Costco like inland always to see, you know, maybe they had paper towel and shit like that. But more, more than that, just to get the fuck out of Dodge for a minute. Cause we're just sitting and sitting around, man. It's getting, it's getting kind of old. I had a, I did a virtual bachelor party. Last oh yeah, yeah. 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 So we had planned one, uh, for a wedding coming up in June and we were supposed to go to Denver in actually it was last weekend and so obviously you know a few weeks back when this was like escalating to the point where i was like yeah flights are probably going to be canceled anyway so we, we canceled everything or whatever and then we were like you know we should just do like a zoom meeting anyway just to all like catch up and whatever so we ended up doing that um and that you know that was fun and i think like that's an interesting thing we'll kind of dive into that like how people are coping with it but like interesting to see how technology is being leveraged to sort of soften the blow right now because i think like imagine this happening you know like i've been thinking about like the spanish flu and shit where people were kind of in a similar situation and how you know imagine just being stuck in your house without any connection like oh yeah no connection you find out that these things are going on because your neighborhood starts getting infected (laughs) right and then you're like people are like don't leave the fucking house and you're like oh okay and then what you just stay inside until you see somebody like ringing a bell outside saying like, come on out. It's all clear. You know, I mean like, so thank God for, for all these teleconferencing solutions and shit and FaceTime and all that right now. Cause I think that's definitely helping people cope with it. Um, yeah. Even me being Mr. Anti guy for that. Um, and again, I still feel like my ways about it. Um, it really has, if it didn't exist it, I mean, yeah, I, I really, took the services for granted until having to use them. I still do have my gripes with them. However, definitely uh, makes this whole thing substantially uh, more tolerable. That's for sure. At the least Mm. more tolerable Um, at the best, you know, it's keeping some, it's keeping gears turning in a lot of areas that are necessary. So, I guess just to kind of like start from the top, like we're, we're saying like what we're three or so weeks in to this whole thing. Um, I think in that time, I'm just trying to remember sort of the progression of events. Like we're at, we're at the point where it's like, don't leave the house. 
unless you absolutely have to when you do i mean now you know it's like we're, we're doing masks and gloves and shit at this right. point because it seems like we just keep learning more and more about how it can be transmitted and even even like less about i guess you know you catching it and more about like if you are a carrier with an, an, an asymptomatic carrier obviously trying not to give it to other people is important i'm still sort of surprised um by the lack of masks and gloves and people taking precautions in public, you know, like really public areas, like outside walking around the sub. Uh, to me, that's one thing. Uh, and you know, cause it's open air or whatever, but like people, you see people like packed into grocery stores taking absolutely no precaution. I'm sort of shocked at this point that, um, that's not a more mainstream ideal. However, then you look at, you know, the messaging from the, the federal government in particular, and it's been pretty, pretty muddy. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we're at with this, like, you know, in terms of precautions, it's like social distancing a- as much as possible, ordering, you know, food, picking it up, taking it out, whatever, having them drop it. Actually, DoorDash is cool that you can have them drop it off on your porch now. So right. And they won't even ring your doorbell because so they don't have to touch the doorbell. They'll just leave it on the porch. They'll kind of yell through the window or whatever. And that's cool for, I think, both parties because nobody wants to have to to deal with that. And then, um, yeah, I don't know, cleaning, unboxing shit. You know, if we order stuff, we're sort of setting it down on the floor, unboxing it, wiping everything down. Um, stuff that I don't need right now. I'm kind of putting like in a quarantine for a few weeks just to make sure, like, because they're saying, you know, it can live on surfaces for a long time. So it's just like not quite uh, insane paranoia levels quite yet but just trying to do easy things to to minimize exposure i mean definitely requiring high levels of like vigilance and diligence uh for sure when taking care of this stuff i feel like see like where you're at um you're very disciplined you are from my experience of you versus most people i know um you're not very impulsive. Uh, I tend to be more impulsive. It's hard for me to, like I have a dread for being compliant to some of that unboxing stuff or keeping some of the things in quarantine. And I feel like I, in general, am pretty disciplined compared to like the rest of society, let's say. Um, I'm not saying that's a good, it's got all sorts of faults for me um, doing that because sometimes I'm overly rigid in some areas. Um, But uh, if you're cracking up and I'm cracking up, um, and let's say you and I are beyond, let's say average for that ability to keep things in longer or keep it together longer. What is it like for everybody else? I mean, th- th- this is how I consider it, you know, like, uh Oh, um, how long can everybody do their part for? There's, there is a piece of me that is worried that, um, you know, uh, without clear direction, which in one part, like you're suggesting, um, we keep learning new things so that we don't have a clear direction because we're still discovering new things. Um, in another part, for those new things that are learned, there isn't one clear message that is passed on. So when that oh. happens, I think it causes just way too much ambiguity for people to know like what a finish line is or know what a framework is right. and how to work within it. And then it, it just creates more anxiety. And if you're... Uh, let's say less disciplined, more impulsive, more anxious, whatever it is. Uh, I, I just, it could be substantially more problematic. Right. And, and not only is there not a clear direction, 
generally, right? Like even if, if it was one single person who just had been looped into all of the knowledge from all of the countries and all the people studying the shit, there's still, I mean, it's, it's like the actual situation is evolving. Then sure. you layer in different politics and different understandings of things and different levels of comprehension. I mean, I forget what, oh, what state was it where the governor or somebody was just, just the other day, like this is like two, three, four days ago was like, Oh, I didn't know that there could be asymptomatic carriers of it uh, until today. I mean, he just said that it was like, okay. I mean, dude, that's been pretty well circulated information for like weeks now. So it's like, whether that was just him trying to save face because you know, hundreds or thousands had uh, contracted it and, and he had not yet put a shelter in place order in or whether he just, you know, that was true ignorance. I don't know. But that's kind of where we are now where it's like, yeah, I mean, we're, we're the situation's ever changing, but we're also still not getting clear, clear intel. And then to your earlier point, uh, I think a situation that we're not in and, and fortunate to not be in, but that a lot of people are in are like, meanwhile, you have to layer in the hell am i doing for money right like i'm i'm for if i'm forced to stay home mm, right and i've just been either my hours have been cut or i've been laid off or i've had to step aside because i'm uh you know in the risk category for this and i can't work um what what do i do and how long am i willing to do that voluntarily because there a lot of this is not mandated how long can i volunteer to stay home and not go find a new job when you know i've got a couple of weeks of of savings buffer until I'm just out. Right. And then you think you have to start thinking about eviction or about how do you feed the kids or how do you do this? How do you do that? And the only relief really coming is, you know, what best case scenario, $1,200 and maybe a couple of months of rent deferral. I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're at. I will say that I feel many, um, like debtors or banks, financial institutions, whoever, uh, however they're, they're referred to. Um, I feel like they've done a good job and it's obviously in their best interest to do a good job this way because like when there was the housing bubble at the, in the big crash in what was that like 2008, 2006, I can't remember. Um, they didn't have any sort of way of uh, like large scale loss mitigation and it seemed like they acquired a bunch of property through foreclosure and everything like that and then it caused them to have further issues as they had to become, uh, let's say property management companies versus, you know, um, money lending companies. So a lot of the companies, it seems like they've learned from that and, you know, they're reaching out and they're changing the way that they do things. So like everybody that has, that is going to suffer financially from this, it doesn't seem like they're in so much of a hurry to continue on with their old systems of implementation of, you know, like, um, whatever evictions and repossessions and well but all sorts i mean of stuff like that yeah but make being no mistake i mean that's not just out of the goodness of their heart that's because if oh i don't think that's the case either i think it's, oh, okay. it's necessity for them to operate as businesses that's what i mean well, right uh, i mean the short term they thought it was better yeah, yeah. I, I think they thought it was better previously to foreclose take back their assets and sell you know and sell them uh the problem with that was uh, do that over um you know, just making negotiations with people or letting them defer some of the debt over time. Uh, the problem with that is uh, if you're holding all of the properties and, and the there's no demand. Trying, yep. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I, yeah. I, I think it's self-serving, but I think it's important that it's self-serving because it, it like the, if you shoot, you know, like if you, if you get rid of all the potential consumers, well, then <laughs> you, you have nothing to do, you know? So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we can we can go into the financial implications of this whole thing, you know, as as sort of a subcategory. But yeah, I mean, that's that's one place where I feel sort of hopeful. I, I think I'm already past. I think thinking about whether or not this is a recession or a depression, and thinking that if it's cured tomorrow, like that this is going to be a quick turnaround. I think people are gravely underestimating the impacts of this to the economy. I mean, this isn't something that's going to go away. Even if the virus is gone tomorrow, like the damage has already been done. We will be digging out for, from this for years. Um, that, that aside, I think in the shorter to medium term in terms of like making your rent payment, making your mortgage payment, surviving. Yeah. I mean, it's not good business for the banks to, to like foreclose on everybody's property, uh, when there's no market, no demand, right, uh, right. they'd rather get what they can from you and they can get it from you rather than have, you know, holding a bunch of properties and, you know, cutting the check for the, the tax payments on those and, and waiting around for the rebound when, uh, you know, we don't know when that's going to be. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's one, one small thing is that it can only hopefully get so bad in that front. But, uh, you know, I've been thinking about like watching TV and you're seeing a lot of people walking around in public, not really socially distancing, not really taking all these these things seriously and taking them into account when they're going about their lives. Like, what do you think it's so tough for people to follow the rules? I mean, what, I get that these have been sort of recommendations or suggestions um, to socially distance and to you know, to wear a mask and, you know, the president's even like, well, you know, it's a recommendation, but I'm not going to wear a mask. It's like, okay, that's, that doesn't help. But I mean, there's certainly enough data at this point. And why do you think it's so hard for people to just be compliant? Yeah. So, I mean, I can, I guess I can give my personal perspective from my own experience of it. And then maybe a more zoomed out, let's say even like a, a, potentially clinical expectation or uh, explanation of why I know for myself, despite having um, obviously access to information. Um, I don't know. I think of myself as a, as a critical thinker. Um, I have an education. Uh, there was a piece of it that despite everything that I was seeing, it was almost like I wasn't ready to understand it. And I feel like I was, you know, internally, let's say like late for the bus, um, where as all of this was happening, it's like my brain didn't want to understand that all of this was happening. So it was difficult. And I kept referencing, um, you know, like Googling previous pandemics or, you know, like the popular thing is like, uh, comparing it to, to flu statistics. And initially I was, I was also one of those people, and I, you know, we've talked about uh, media before, and the other piece is uh, just a, for myself a general disinterest or distrust in news because I don't feel like it is entirely, I mean, as close as it can be, objective news. Um, so it's more so like entertainment or media versus information or news, and just kind of staying clear of that because of their necessity to sensationalize things. But all of these things, I think for myself personally have culminated to, I just couldn't accept what was happening. Um, So I would imagine that there is probably some level of that in the general population where it's just overwhelming. And like any kind of, you know, when when people are grieving, uh, we've all heard of the various stages of, of grief and loss. 
um, there's a grieving piece to this and like this, right? <clears throat> For myself, transitioning out of, I feel fortunate. So this is, you know, the, to be able to do this is, is pretty fortunate. But grieving my existence and my practice and my office and all the people that I have there and just like, like a light switch, having a transition into staying home, being sheltered, uh, working from home, all of that, right? Like just just that simple piece of where I work, which doesn't seem that big of a thing, but there's almost like a grief or a loss period that I think people are learning how to work through. And, you know, there's all sorts of things with that come along with grieving, denial, anger, um, you know, bargaining. So all of these things are kind of, I would imagine, happening to people. On top of that, I think they have, you know, we all have our own individual personalities that aside from a big event or a traumatic event that creates, you know, its own impact or its own progression, it's how our own individual personalities respond to it. And, you know, like I was talking earlier, you're substantially more um, disciplined or less impulsive. I think for some people, this sort of thing, let's say, I don't know, they have a history of who knows, whatever, people telling them what to do or who knows what it is really, right? But they they may have something long-term within them that being put in this situation kind of like strikes that nerve. And when it when it strikes someone's nerve, it's not like they're thinking with logic. They're not being rational. They're, they're reacting very emotionally. And, you know, emotion and intellect, unfortunately, seem to run parallel. It's like they never cross it. I don't want to say they never. It, they very inconsistently cross paths. And th- that's why I think it's difficult for a lot of us. Um, so the people who aren't compliant, I, I think there could be many factors. I think it's hard to say at this point that it's ignorance, though, um, because the information is everywhere. So I would assume yeah. that it's something else going on. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's where I agree. But I think that I think, it, again, it's the ambiguity in messaging from leadership. Right. Like for mm. me. I, it is a pain in the ass. I don't feel like I'm in an at-risk category. I don't feel like I'm in danger of losing my life. The reason that I, I'm going, you know, out of my way and, and don't, I don't want to make it seem like I'm taking like I'm living in a clean room or anything. I'm just doing very simple things to try to like limit exposure and spread myself. And and that's where I think that you know if leadership were to come out and say like, look, like this isn't about you being 25 years old and and contracting it and dying. This is about you being 25 years old, ignoring the rules because you want to go to spring break, bringing it back to your, you know, 60 year old parent and them contracting it and spreading it to their 60 year old friends and relatives. And, you know, 10% of them dying as a result. There's, you know what I mean? Like very clear messaging about how it can be contracted and spread and how just because you're not at risk does not mean that, you're not obligated to sort of adhere to the guidelines, right? I think that's where there's been a big miss. And certainly the information's out there. I mean, you and I have it. Um, Everybody's kind of heard it, I think. But, you know, you see little things still circulating on Facebook. Like there's there's all sorts of... I'm actually a, a part of some of these groups where... It's like a group where everybody pretends to be a boomer. <laughs> like sort of... What it's like that? a like a baby boomer. It's like oh. a group where, but they repost shit that like actual baby boomers are posting okay. about. And it's always like, you know, a screenshot of something with no citation, no source and spreading di- misinformation or it's like from a fucking chain email. And I'm not trying to single out boomers in this regard, but I do feel like they, like the older generation where they're the most at risk are sort of 
the ones that are like the last. Oh, that's not true because there's a lot of young kids also you're seeing going to spring break and shit. I, I don't know. There's just so much bu- bullshit information and viewpoint out there right now that this is this is one of those cases where I really do think leadership should step in and say, "This is how it's going to be. Let's just rip the bandaid off. Let's all stay home." You know, like and there have been medical professionals coming out and saying, "Like, look, if we were to all just freeze in place for two to three weeks, it would suck, but we would all but eradicate." the virus, right? The spread would have, would be contained at that point. We could, you know, deal with mitigation, uh, for whoever has it from that point forward. But like you're seeing, uh, I hate the term cause it's being overused, but flattening the curve. It's already happening in Seattle where they were, uh, they have the first cases of it with those nursing homes. They immediately locked everything down. They're seeing a curtail of curtailing of cases there. The same thing is happening in the Bay area now because, the mayor of San Francisco was pretty early to adopt the shelter in place. The surrounding six counties followed suit and we're already starting to see things trail off. So it's like we already, I mean, unfortunately it's a very archaic solution. (laughs) There is no cure, but we know we've, we've seen its efficacy, right? Like it's, it's happening already. So if you have that data point, there doesn't really need to be much other discussion from my standpoint, right? It's like, we know, the best way to stop the spread. Well, let's just do that. And yeah, it's going to mean like a lot more jobs and it's going to be a lot more pain, but would you rather just drag this out for another six months? I mean, that's where I'm sort of like, it seems socially irresponsible and economically irresponsible. What do you recommend to the people that, you know, again, this is kind of like um, the, the logic and the emotional pathways. You're giving them a logical explanation, right? That's Mm -hmm. what you're hoping is going to reach them. Um, what if they can't hear that because they are in this like uh, grief or loss or mourning or, you know, they're shell shocked from the trauma of this. How how do you reach out to them? I mean, how do you think it could be done? I think, uh, I mean, again, the the president's touting his ratings. He's got a, uh, (laughs) he's got a platform to reach everyone and and effectively is right. People are tuning into that and listening and his his misinformation has gotten so bad that some of the networks are cutting away when he speaks. I don't know if you've heard that, but they're like, it's socially irresponsible for us to even air what he's saying because he's contradicting, you know, Dr. Fauci and, and uh, other medical professionals that are saying like, do A, B, and C. And then Trump's like, well, you know, I wouldn't, you know, you can wear a mask if you want, but I wouldn't. It's like, Jesus Christ, bro. Like, that's exactly what we want to be telling people is that they should be wearing masks. It's a simple thing. Like, if you've got one, if you don't make one out of cloth, like, just... And it's, I think, again, there's, there's a misconception that it's about you contracting it. It's just about as much as, as you spreading it. And that's the thing I think that people are missing. Like, you know, I haven't noticed that over the past few years where like Asian cultures, they'll wear masks in public often. And everybody always thought it was because they were scared of getting sick. And it's like, well, no, it's actually more about them being sick or thinking they might be sick and not wanting to spread it. And like, there's a common courtesy, I think, especially in American culture where that is lacking. Uh, people just don't even think that way. We're so self-centered that it doesn't even occur to us like, oh, they're wearing the mask because they don't want to get us sick. Weird. Whoever thought of that? Like, I've never thought about anybody other than myself. Uh, you know, it's v- very short-sighted. And I, I think that that's where somebody who's got tens of millions of people tuning in for their daily address could really set the record straight in this country. I'm, and I'm, I'm focusing on the U.S. because that's where we live. But uh, that I mean, this we're seeing the story repeat. Some countries' mitigation 
has been swift and is is very effective. Like Germany is an example where, and I don't know the specifics of how they've been doing it, but you know they're much more prepared. I think they have more hospital beds per capita. They reacted quicker. They had sweeping measures. And despite an initial spike of cases, deaths have been very, very low relative to other countries in the area. Um, and then you're seeing Italy, Spain, where it's the opposite. They didn't react quick enough and death tolls are, are skyrocketing. Um, and yeah, the U.S., I mean, I didn't realize this until this whole thing happened, but I mean, per capita, we have very few hospital beds per, mm. uh, yeah, what I think it's like, it's like a quarter or something of more like equally developed countries like Japan and South Korea. So I, don't, I, I mean, just, I know that from personal experience of just taking the kids to the hospital for different things. Like, oh, you know, like if they break their arm or if they're sick during certain sick seasons, because like they're asthmatic and there's sometimes there, there have been times we have to take them so that they can be monitored or treated. Um, we're just during those seasons in general. We have to wait to right. get them in. And then and I, I mean, live, that's all. you know, near, I mean, in Arbor. So there's like a huge health system here. Right. right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's a whole other conversation. It's, I think, I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing in certain areas. And you and I were talking about the soft line a few days ago, like Detroit. I think people are so afraid of, of dealing with the medical bills in some cases too, because they don't have insurance and because they don't have the money, especially if they're not working that sure. Oh, uh, well, you know, maybe this is just the flu or a cough or whatever. I'm going to see what happens over the next few days. And then they die. Because it's yeah. they know it's going to cost them ten grand if they go to a hospital and they have to pay for it out of pocket. I mean that so it's just it's this perfect storm of capitalism fueling the fire and leadership really only looking at one thing as a barometer, whether or not the stock market's going you know up and to the right. And it, and and he will do Trump will do anything to get things back on track there because that is his single metric metric of success when it comes to everybody deciding whether or not to reelect him in November. Right. I mean, you hear, I've heard that 10,000 times, even after all the shit that he's done, not to get overly political here, but, um, and, and, and I'm not trying to invalidate it, but people will be like, yeah, you know, it's true that he did A, B and C, but like, look at my 401k, man. Can't argue with that. The market's been up, up, up. And it's like, yeah, we've been, I mean, things are looking great for a long time in terms of, um, general stock market uh, increases since he's taken office other than the trade war with China. And then boom, we're, we're back in what, I don't know, 2016 levels now, 27 depends on what time of day it is and what, right. uh, what happened in a particular day. But yeah, I mean, so for him, he's lost the one thing I think that he could point to as, as success during his presidency. So of course he's going to contradict what, the medical professionals are saying because that's going to hurt the economy. What if we're having difficulty here because things have become so politicized and we are very much divided here? And it's not like, at least how I remember, um, I don't know, previous administrations where regardless if uh, they're part of a political party you support or not, um, it did seem like there was an acknowledgement that they were the president. <laughs> Or um, that that uh, e even if it was um, 
I don't know, even if the, your candidate of choice won, it wasn't a situation where it felt like an us against them. And because um, this information has become politicized, it takes out oh, yeah. uh, perhaps like a more human element of it of like, oh, For yeah, sure. this is the, the guy that's watching over us. So we're going to listen to what he says. Right. So it's different than just hearing the information. But um, yeah, I mean, to, it be, feels, to yeah. be clear, I'm frustrated. I'm not frustrated with him because of even his past. It's just like I'm frustrated with him now more than ever because of his inability to see the forest for the trees like mm. and and you know i've sent you some of those like uh, compilations of the shit that he's been tweeting out since the start of this whole thing where it was like it's not a big deal it's no worse than the flu there's no science to prove we're gonna have it contained and then suddenly his tone changed and not only changed but started referencing things that he never said like i knew this was going to be an epidemic from the start this we knew this was going to be much worse than the flu and it, you know whatever I, i'm paraphrasing but that kind of misinformation so it's like not only did he flip-flop but then he lied about what his stance has been all along and it's like you're not helping anybody like and you've said this just shut up just step aside let the professional and then you can save face right you can say like i defer to you right. know the the medical professionals uh, that are qualified to speak to this and then just fade into the background and then any fallout that happened you know if there's an economic downturn as a result of of our efforts to to try to hedge this thing then you go, you know, well, this was the recommendation that I was given and I followed it because those people are trained professionals in that field. Like I had to do that. And, right. and then, you know, it's the best of both worlds from my, from my standpoint. But he refuses to do that because he has to be in the limelight and he has to be the one issuing the orders. <laughs> it's just yeah, like... Yeah, it's, it's interesting watching watching him on there, man. I, 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 I know I'm always like the pain in the ass of, you know... Um, it's been hard. I'm not a supporter, um, but I'm also not like a, a strong uh, opposer. Uh, I just feel like this is where we're at now. Um, but there have been a lot of things where, uh, yeah, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch and hard for me to play my usual devil's advocate bullshit game, <laughs> bullshit games with people because it's like I, I I got nothing. I don't know how to. I don't know how to do it in a way. I don't know how to spin this in a way to make you think about it a different way. I feel right. like it's pretty black or white. Do you, so obviously for those of us that are fortunate enough to work, um, we are having contact with, you know, the public outside of our, you know, like our little pods or our little houses. Um, so I'm still meeting with people. I'm using teleconferencing to, to see patients. Um, I've noticed, I mean, the obvious difference of we're in a situation that I think is very traumatic for everybody. So therefore, that is, let's say, strongly influencing the content of the conversation. But also, I've noticed that um, it's not just the specific content related to the context of a pandemic, but even further out, uh, people having different ideas or different uh, let's say like awakenings or existential awakenings. Do you recognize that, or have you seen that? You know, with like the people you're working with. Obviously, oh, I'm and I'm not, not in of, myself. <laughs> I mean, well, I was going to go there next, <laughs> but yeah, you can uh, go there, or you can sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, obviously, the nature of our jobs are different, and I don't. I'm not having like those kinds of deep conversations. I don't think with people I work with. Um, but you guys get together. I've, I've heard of corporations, like even with the people I talk to, um, like people that I talk to might be some people in your field. And, you know, they'll get together on Zoom and talk. And it's not even necessarily for business related things, but they'll have 
you know, like Zoom Hangouts for uh, like processing or like emotional support or something like that. So I, I've never been in one of those during this time. So I don't I don't know specifically what's there. But I, yeah, uh, I mean, for me, it's been mostly like anecdotes with, you know, people that I do have some somewhat of a social relationship with at work. Um, the company is they've been doing a cool um, daily sort of Q&A with the CEO, which is nice. <coughs> Excuse me. Just like here's what's going on globally here's what's going on within the company here are the things and then you can post questions and he's just very candid about answering them which i think is like i think everybody appreciates the transparency in a time of so much uncertainty about our jobs and about you know what does the rest of the year look like even just given what we've already seen ignoring what still could happen um so i think that's been really helpful and uh yeah i mean in terms of how people are dealing with it. I think at work, like I said, hard to say, uh, I think, you know, you just get little glimpses into people's lives. I ironically now more than ever, you know, I'd say like, it's important to show your side of the video. Like I think a lot of people join the, the video conferences mm. and they shut the video off so that you can't see them. And right. I think that there is something lost in that. And we talk about that, uh, well in a future episode, I guess, cause we haven't released <laughs> it, but, um, I think that's an important aspect of, communication is being able to actually see the person not just have their audio but what's frustrating is because the home networks are so overtaxed right now Mm -hmm. my upload speeds are so shitty which we'll probably see here shortly that uh, my video has been cutting out so if i have my video showing it often is going to create it'll create other problems where there'll be like a huge delay and you'll start losing audio because as everybody gets up and they start working that that brings the network down so uh, that's been a, a little bit of a struggle because I haven't been able to show my video now for pretty much the entire time now that everybody in my neighborhood's working from home. Um, but you feel like you don't get a through talking to the people that you work with. It's been more for you objective. So your experiences of it are more just from like uh, your immediate peers or family or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you get little glimpses, like I said. You, I, I, there are a few people I work with, I'll check in with, and it's like, yeah, you know, just doing this, doing that, going for walks in the neighborhood, everybody. I, I'm not getting like a super deep glimpse into what their lives are like or how they've changed. I think personally, it has caused me to kind of like take a step back and think about conversations like you and I have had where like what is what is the point of all of this? Like especially right. when you're stuck in your house and you start to realize that it's like, oh, this this kind of sucks, but why does it suck? And what is it? How is it different than what I normally do? And right. why does that matter? Because like, it's almost like the illusion of choice and being stuck in your house. Because in reality, there's not a whole lot that's different, right? Like for me, at least, I would drive to work, and I, I've that's one thing I've had a realization of. Uh, I bitch about my commute all the time, but I've realized that that hour each way in my car gives me a chance to like catch up on podcast stuff like listen to all the shows that i like just be outside i mean in my car but like be outside in traffic see stuff you know see what the weather is like see people other people in cars like you have some sort of social interaction in that way um just disconnect you're not at work you're not at home you're just on your own and you're controlling the vehicle and it's sort of freeing in that way. So that being taken away, that aside, I just go to work and I sit there and I work all day. I'm doing the same thing here. I mean, my my work life hasn't really changed dramatically. It's actually interesting. It's gotten like I've gotten more busy because I don't have the excuse of the commute. Uh, sure. I don't wake up 
answer a couple emails and then shower, make my coffee, drive to work, and then likewise do the same thing on the way home. I don't have that excuse. So I start working like the second I wake up, which sucks. And then I work through like I, I start at like East Coast start. And then I work through to like West Coast end because I like I have people on my team that are awake, you know, till or that are working until like six seven p.m. So that part has has been shitty. And then other than that, like on the weekends, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you're you you have kids, so you guys do like more social stuff. But like oftentimes there are weekends where like we do just hang out at the house, do stuff around the house. You know, we go out and do a couple things, go out to dinner, or whatever. But it's not like we're, you know, I'm not twenty. I'm not like going out to the bars and shit. Uh, and, and like raging with friends is like maybe we go on a hike or a walk or whatever but like the big change there has been the like the reduction of choices right like we could still yeah. go for a walk around the neighborhood but like there's eh. not as much agency now yeah and like the that the removal of that the options there does hasn't necessarily changed the outcome we're still probably doing more or less the same shit we would do which is like sitting around watching netflix unfortunately because we're boring but you know, like that, I think that's, it's funny how the psychology of that has impacted, I think everybody, um, where, sure. you know, you're seeing those memes circulate where it's like everybody before the quarantine and they're all sitting inside watching Netflix and there's like everybody after quarantine and they're all like in a park together with like cramped right. less than six feet apart. So it's, um, yeah, that's, that's been sort of what I've been struggling with, particularly over the past few days is just, huh. You know, I never realized like how little, little we actually do on, on a typical weekend, let's say. But the illusion of choice made me feel more free. And now that it's been taken away, I'm like, oh, shit, you know? Sure. Yeah, I've, I've noticed. So I'll give my personal thoughts on it, too. But uh, let's say like on the work front, um, people have definitely had more, let's say, like existential experiences from it. Um, some people questioning like what they do, why they do it, if it contributes. I think it is difficult uh, for me, for them, for whoever to, when you're paying attention to what's going on with this whole thing and you see how uh, many people are sick and how many lives are lost and how many people are being disrupted from economic conditions, uh, it really kind of takes us back, you know, to the basics of, of what's essential, right? And obviously, we know this in part because uh, things have been kind of divided in a way of what is an essential business and what is a non-essential business, right? Mm -hmm. um, but in the essential business, it's like there are so many categories that maybe we didn't even consider, um, you know, like what the implications are of being able to just freely go into a grocery store or potentially, you know, devaluing the experience of going to a grocery store or devaluing the experience of someone that works at a grocery store, right? Because it's not, you know, um, depending on like what, what rung of the ladder you're on there, it's not like, um, you know, not all of the positions there require like a, a high skill level. Uh, you know, they, they require some form of consistency and diligence and things like that. But, um, you know, I think we kind of have a different respect for what some of the, uh, I guess I'm intermingling my personal experiences, what others have said too, but uh, hard to separate sometimes. But yeah, just a different perspective of what is essential, what's non-essential, what am I doing? Like, is is what I'm doing, does it even matter? There have been people that have talked about that. Um, you know, there are people that have felt 
guilt or ashamed of of what they do versus what other people do. I know personally, I've, I've I've experienced some of that too in regards to some of the shit that I complain about. You know, um, I think that it's also in many ways forced people to have to, you know, like there's a reduction of the amount of distractions that they can have related to their workplace or going out into the world and, and force people to have to sit down and uh, be with their, their loved ones. And, you know, there's all those jokes online, but uh, there's some reality to it. I mean, there are, there are a lot of people that their relationships um, are like held together by, you know, like pieces of scotch tape and paper clips because there's been a lot of avoidance and a lot of justifiable avoidance in the way of, you know, hey, I got a job to do or like I'm really busy or we have to take the kids to these activities or those activities. And, you know, the things that may have meant something in those relationships get put on the shelf and they don't ever, you know, get get brought back up and sorted through. So a lot of content that people have been talking with me about has also been related to some of those things. And like I said, the existential issues as well. You mentioned, you know, we're pretty self-centered and I agree and uh, I feel the same way. And I've only even... I thought I wasn't as self-centered, but even recently discovered how much more self-centered I am during this whole time. And yeah, like we're, we're there's a competing, what do you want to call it? Like a competing organism um, in the world that's currently more effective at <laughs> like scrubbing us from this place, you know, than, than there has been in a really long time. And it's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a real wake up. Right. That's another interesting thing about this. Whole, I mean, just the biology of it and sort of something that, you know, now, of course, you're hearing all these people come out of the war work are like, ah, we've been warning, we've been warning the federal government for years that we don't have enough masks and all this shit. And it's like, huh? Yeah, I guess I never I mean, I never thought about it. And I, I guess it's like the different levels of sort of uh, clarity that we maybe all should have had, like that level of like the medical infrastructure needed to support us in a time where something unexpected happens. I am definitely was ignorant of that. Um, and I think probably most were, I don't think we knew what like Mm -hmm. our hospital utilization was and how close we are to hitting that tipping point. And that's another thing that, uh, I think we could do a better job articulating to the public about why it's not about you getting sick necessarily. It's not even about people getting sick and dying from it necessarily. It's about all of the secondary and tertiary impacts of if you occupy a hospital bed, even for like couple of weeks over this and you don't die but you're just you know like if you take up a respirator if you take up any doctor's time if you're in a place where there is there are covid patients that the impact of just treating other normal shit because a huge problem right and i think about that like every day like i've been considering going for a bike ride and i'm like fuck dude if i wipe out on my bike who knows mm-hmm. what's going to happen? Like, normally it's not a big deal. Like, worst case, you know, you break a, a bone or something, you go to the hospital, you get a cast, it's not the end of the world. But now I wouldn't want to expose myself to, you know, being there physically. I wouldn't want to have to displace a doctor uh, who's right. dealing with more serious things right now or, or any of the other staff. And that's another piece that I think that, um, yeah, I don't think we've ever really been faced with before, how fragile the the medical ecosystem is and how fragile we are as a species to something like this happening. I mean, I I was not really looped into the whole uh, Spanish flu epidemic really prior to this. I mean, obviously you've heard about it, but I didn't, I didn't know the the numbers and uh, hearing about how many died to that and, you know, all the other things that were going on sort of politically and socially at the time. And um, it's interesting 
reading about that, reading about the plague, and thinking about now with transportation being so much more readily accessible and how we are everywhere all at once, not only digitally, which obviously doesn't spread the disease, but people are flying all over the country all the fucking time. And if you're not directly, somebody you know is. So uh, yeah, it's like, how have we not, you know, we've been so worried about global warming and nuclear war and shit, but yeah, it seems like epidemics should be pretty high on the list. I mean, the likelihood of it, obviously now, you know, 2020 hindsight, but it seems like, of course, this was going to happen. It was only a matter of time. It's happened before. And the only reason that the plague didn't wipe out, you know, 50% of the planet was because this was in what the 1300s. People weren't going back and forth like they are right, now. Right. I mean, I think if that happened now, um, especially considering that was airborne to some extent, right? Um, yeah, I mean, the outcome would have been much different. So what's to prevent that from happening in the future? I've been thinking a lot about that, you know, like what we, I think if we walk away from this with one understanding, it's that like we need to be better prepared for the next time because there's no reason to expect that it won't happen again. Yeah, definitely. Or like um, maybe we need to be personally too, like allocate resources to things that are more... um, important more detrimental to our own existence and to like humanity right. in general right like uh do i really need um to car shop fucking all day long like i like i usually do to like does it really matter dude how or, how much has your car shopping curtailed in the past month i don't you know it's, it's strange man it's like i'm not interested there has been like a a, a priority shift of I just don't give a shit. Yeah. It, it's, it's really weird. I mean, like, I'll go on there because it's it's been a way that I've burned time a lot, but it's not necessarily for interest. It's almost out of habit. And then it feels, it, you know, like it feels boring. It's it's like, this doesn't even matter. What the fuck am I doing? Our, uh, you know? I wonder if our usage, the iOS usage thing, breaks it down by app. Because it'd be, cur- it'd be interesting to see, like, cars.com and auto trader usage and see what oh, happens. Like how much, how different how it is. How different it oh, is man. over the past couple of months. That's, I'm realizing, too, we had the, we recorded but haven't yet released the uh the smartphones yeah. episode i mean we have to throw all of this data out now because i and i don't know if i'd be on my phone more or less now because probably more i'm on my phone way more now. really way more especially because i'm like tech dummy and you know how i am i i i can't even i the fact that you and i can do this and i get it right most of the time <laughs> is kind of amazing i was gonna say did you get it right <laughs> most of the time <laughs> So I don't have a tech organization, so it's like my phone is utilized in this, and then I'm like passing things back and forth. It's um, it's just a it's just a shit show, and it's it's caused me to have to rely on it more in ways that I'm really uncomfortable with. So yeah, I feel like I have it hooked up to the charger, um, like daily, uh, which before it was like. Uh, I didn't really use it. It was the, my usage that week that we measured. It was like two and a half hours of usage. So I, I could stay off the charger for a couple of days. And it's like midday I'm charging it now because I, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You know? Yeah, it is funny. I was thinking about the auto trader and cars thing. Uh, like before, I think just a month ago, two months ago, you and I were, were both particularly on like a particular kick to find a couple of specific cars. I was sitting on it, right. I mean, probably at least an hour, hour and a half a day, just scouring sure. different listings. Now, I can't tell you the last time, maybe like once in the past couple of weeks, I did just to see if the market had, you know, dropped on the cars that we were looking at. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's like, it's like when you got in trouble as a kid, for something and then suddenly like your interest in that thing just like you got screamed at and then like the next time you thought about doing it you were like 
it like made you almost like physically ill. Just yeah, thinking about ashamed. yeah, the the feeling of thinking about even like enjoying something as stupid as like buying a car uh, or or anything really like that uh, just feels like irresponsible right now. And I mean, and I'm not oh, trying to sound like high and mighty. It's just like that's my immediate reaction is like it just seems like a stupid fucking thing to even spend like brain power thinking about you know i'm uh, yeah i'm telling you man so like my garage stays closed even if i'm outside where previously it would just be open because i feel embarrassed like i feel embarrassed and my street is a it's it's kind of i mentioned you know there's a creek that runs through it's a nice walking street it's always had a lot of walking attention and it's not because i live in a neighborhood it's a dirt or it's a gravel road um but it just it just provides a nice view and a nice whatever people enjoy walking on it and obviously people have more time to be walking on it right now and i just feel like ashamed man like so i just keep my fucking garage closed because i feel like what have i been doing like what what the fuck have i been focusing on that like (laughs) spending so much time thinking about car stuff like what an embarrassing yeah i don't know it just there was always an awareness of like this is a I don't kid myself. It's like a little boy's toys hobby. Um, But especially now it's when it's not just like the suffering over there that's coming from it. It's like uh, it's all around, man. And it's a lot easier when it's displaced, right? Uh, Out of sight, out of mind. But when it's everywhere, it's I'm not, this is, please do not take this out of context if you're listening to it, but it, it gives me a much better understanding if, if anyone's ever seen Schindler's list, and have you seen that at all? It's been years, but yeah. Sure. So at the end of the movie, after he's, you know, um, after he's found all these ways to, um, like, get the Jews that are being, well, I guess, pursued or persecuted or um, whatever version of it, right? Because they made all sorts of exploitations and uses. But uh, he, he starts going through his like personal inventory, like literally his, his effects. And he's like going through, I believe it was like his jewelry that he was wearing. And he's like, this could have saved this much more people, this button, these, I don't know, these cufflinks. I don't right. remember the specifics of it, but kind of thinking of it that way. And uh, yeah, man, I, I'm not, I, I have, I have, I feel like I've had no real significant positive influence on the world. So I'm not in no way, please don't understand me as saying it that way. But uh, it just made me feel really fucking embarrassed about myself. Right. It puts a lot of things into perspective and yeah, it makes you realize, I guess. And, and I, I don't, on one hand, it's like, wow, how stupid and how trivial. On the other hand, it's like, you know, I, not, not to let myself off the hook, but it's like, we've all, I mean, we're all guilty of that. Nobody's not. I mean, there are a handful of people who are maybe, very close to being completely selfless but i mean for the vast majority at least of people in this country i think like yeah you if you have the means or you have an opportunity you do things for yourself or for your family or whatever uh, that you enjoy like that's not a bad thing but i think in times like this it's i don't know what the, how what the word would be for it but like the playing field is leveled and I think we're all sort of reevaluating what's, what's important. Um, or at least I hope, you know, people are, I, I, I'm, I'm continually surprised when I do drive somewhere like yesterday when we did go to the grocery store, uh, on our trip, it's like, I keep imagining that like people's behavior and traffic will change. Like people will be a little bit more patient, especially (laughs) since there's like nobody on the road and yet I'll be going like 15 over and somebody will just fucking blast by me and cut me off aggressively, like in the slow lane while I'm in the middle lane, like not even really blocking them. And it's like, 
you know, have we learned uh, yet? I don't know that we're to the point. Like, I think that's where I'm still struggling. And, and maybe that this is like a good way to wrap it up about like how people can actually help. But I just, I don't think that if you, if you stereotype everybody, at least in this country altogether and sort of like, have we learned our lesson and have, are we doing what we need to, to try to curtail the situation? I don't think we're there yet. And I think that I don't even know if I'm there. I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm being impacted on it. I don't know if like, am I really going to change or is this kind of like, Oh, please God, help me, help me. help right. me. And then like when you're out of the situation, you're like <coughs> back at it. And, and I'm, yeah. I, I, yeah, I want to be honest with myself about that one. I don't know. I don't know if I really am changing or if I'm just feeling an impact that is, you know, causing me to reflect. And because I don't have agency at this time, like I'm forced to change. Um, I hope it's, I hope I am. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely hope I, this, this does impact me in some way that I feel like evolves me further. Um, but yeah, man, tough, tough to know. Yeah. I, I share the concern. You know, I think that I fear, even if it got serious, like much, much, much more serious where like everybody at some point by the end of this knows somebody personally who's, you know, passed away as a result of it. I still don't know that people will change their ways um coming out of it um I, I what i think remains to be seen is whether or not this is to some extent a new normal that's an, that's another mm. sort of i right. i think I, I think that we're so privileged as a modern society in thinking that every problem has a solution which i think is a very arrogant thing yep uh i don't know that we walk away from this and just have some magical serum that you just sprinkle on anybody with coronavirus and it's just cured. Right. It might be the case that, you know, we shelter in place until things flatten out. Hospitals can dig out, you know, maybe months down the road, we return to work, but it might just be a reality like influenza that we deal with forever. Um, you know, we might have treatments for it that are fairly successful, but like, you know, that might be the, the biggest lesson of all is that like we, Real, uh, our mortality is more of mind than it was before, and people are more sure. careful about touching things and uh, interacting, and you know, being in uh, big social gatherings and things like that. But um, beyond that, I, I don't know that we fundamentally change as a result. You know, I don't mean to be too scary about it or catastrophic about it, but um, you know, I, I kind of pointed to that earlier. What if? over time this has become a new evolution that has become successful like as a as a virus that will i don't know continue to become successful uh it will continue its success in its own personal evolution and if we can't keep up with it where does that leave us right is this a new normal in terms of oh we don't have an answer for everything right because we're not gods you know what i mean and you know, this, yeah, I, I, it's kind of a dark way of thinking about it, but there is some part of it that's like, huh, not just the new normal in terms of like seasonally, but in, in terms of, uh, what, like exponential change over time or exponential injury or whatever to humanity, you know, it's, it's a weird thing to think about. It's, it's just a weird, yeah. Right. And, and, and I, I've been thinking about that too. It's like, if you play these things out on a long enough scale, like there are things that there are diseases and ailments that you know we we just have to accept that we can't cure that'll continue like cancer is one of those things like perhaps someday we'll cure that but it seems like that has gotten more and more 
prevalent or at least our detection of it has become, you know, there are more cases, it seems like, whether or not they were there all along, we just didn't diagnose it. Um, but, you know, this could be one of those things that it's just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. And like, if you play the timeline out long enough, like there, there are only going to be more of these the longer that we're around. Um, and I think people need to come to terms with that um, and take necessary precautions. And so I guess like keeping again on theme with wrapping things up, maybe that's the best way to sort of end it is, you know, you meant, you mentioned feeling guilty, thinking about what you can contribute feeling ashamed even you know, feeling like, ashamed yeah. and i think like the easiest way that people can perhaps hedge that a little bit is to just stay the fuck home stop going out <laughs> you know stop doing anything unnecessary stop thinking that you're above it or that it's about you know you catching it and you're not at risk it's just as much about you catching it being asymptomatic and giving it to your grandma and her dying or you know any one of the other million scenarios that can play out but just stop thinking that you can outsmart it because mm -hmm. you're different than everybody else because i guarantee every single person who has it or has died from it thought the same thing you know so it's right. i mean it is so it's like stay home for somebody else stay home like, for stay somebody home else for somebody else the messaging that you know we're getting from leadership i think is conflicted just objectively know that it couldn't hurt that's one thing that we know is like staying at home socially distancing cleaning your shit off you know leaving your shoes outside whatever like whatever little things you can do other than inconvenience which is very low and some clorox wipes and some soap <laughs> like it's it couldn't hurt so if nothing else we know that it couldn't hurt and there's early data suggesting that in fact it can start to help to flatten the curve so just take little little precautions and you know I don't think that it's unreasonable to ask everybody to do that for a few weeks and then we'll see what happens. But I think that that's the biggest piece of advice I think that, that I can give at this point, given what we know and what we don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I concur. I, I don't feel like I have anything more to add to that. I feel like um, let's do our responsibility um, our individual responsibility here as humans and uh, do the right thing for somebody else by, uh, yeah, staying our ass home, you know? Perfect. Well, that's with that, <laughs> I'll let you go since I'm sure you have really important things to get to like I do. <laughs> Actually, there are people dying. Well, whoops, that's not a good way to say it. There, there, are, there are little people here that are very interested in, playing around in this area that I'm in right now. So yeah, <laughs> that's good. All right, yeah. man. Well, good All talking right. to you and enjoy the rest of your day and yeah, stay safe. Yeah, you too.